0: Like to stand for the reading of the scripture. Um, this is going to be a short scripture review from last week that will lead us into our sermon um, in this week's message. It's Nehemiah two seventeen to eighteen. Then I said to them, "You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem." and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God on me and what the king had said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began the good work. Let's just pray for the message. Heavenly Father, we just praise you for your word. Your word is rich, it is good. We ask that you would put your hand upon Darren as he preaches it. powerfully to this congregation, and give us ears to hear. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Thank you, Pat. It's good to be here this morning. It's a little bit different as far as the weather goes from Father's Day, I would say. Just a week ago, it was cold and blustery and 52 degrees out, and today it's sunny and warm, and Everybody's out on their boats and fishing and swimming and at the beach today, so, no, it's good to be here. Y'all are in trouble. I've got a wireless headset mic now, so I can just roam free. <laughs> Hopefully no, no plants will uh, get destroyed here, and um, I don't know what's going to happen to this uh, music stand, but that could go awry too, but man, um, what a beautiful time in prayer, and just uh, we're going to take the Lord's Supper also this morning, and... Um, Uh, just celebrate uh, his goodness. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and uh, turn with me to Nehemiah. We will be in uh, Nehemiah chapter 3 today, uh, but we are going to, again, rehash that verse there, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And, you know, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to continue, like I said, in our series on the book of Nehemiah. And we started a few weeks ago, and we titled the series, The Power of One. And really, the premise of Nehemiah is really the story of how one person totally committed and surrendered to God, how God can use that person mightily for God's glory and for God's people. Nehemiah is considered to be one of the greatest books, leadership books ever written. And if we really dig into Nehemiah, we're going to learn some great leadership principles in our life. And, uh, and then last week, uh, we looked at the power of faith. Uh, you remember last week we talked about faith and what we saw was was how Nehemiah had great faith not in himself and not in his abilities but how he really had great faith in waiting on an all-powerful and knowing and loving God to lead the way so Nehemiah could do what so he could go about doing God's will how God's way Nehemiah had the faith to wait the four months there. We kind of found out of just between this and that, and when he heard about it, and he, and he fasted, and he mourned, and he prayed, and he wept. And, and then all of a sudden, the king, because God was moving on the king's heart, four months later, that perfect timing happened. And we talked about just waiting and faith that God will open that opportunity for us. And so today, I want to talk to you about the power of community. Everybody say community, Community. the power of community. You know, when we look at chapter three, I don't know if you had a chance to read it at all, but it really is just a chapter with a bunch of hard to pronounce names that I get to read today, yay, uh, that it says that uh, they built their part of the wall and -and so-and-so built their part of the wall and on and on. Truth be told, it could be just a little bit boring, amen? You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of like maybe we can just get through this chapter here and skip on over and let's get to more of the action. It kind of reminded me of like, you know, when you start reading in the book of Matthew and it's kind of like, and -and so-and-so begat so-and-so and so-and-so and -and and begat so-and-so and and it's just like, all right, thank you. I'll never remember all this. I don't even know how to pronounce all these names. But if we do skip over the chapter and move on, we will miss some powerful truths that will help us with our church and our families in our lives as we seek to go about what God is doing and how to do it God's will, God's way. So we're going to talk about community. Why are we going to talk about community? Because we need each other. We need time together. We need fellowship. You know, it's, it's really hard to do community on Zoom calls. Going to have a good amen? I mean, listen, there is a time and a place and a season for Zoom calls. And I understand it helps us maybe, you know, cut down on some things that we have to drive to. And, you know, maybe there's more efficiency in the meetings. But you really can't do true community online. You can have a sense of it, but we need to kind of get rubbing elbows with one another. Amen? Amen. You know, I'll admit that there was a time, and it was nice to take a few Sundays off and watch the sermon online. Come on, anybody with me right there? You know, you kind of had your PJs on, and you had your fourth cup of coffee, and you could hit pause and use the restroom whenever, and it was okay. But I got to admit that after a couple weeks of that, I knew that there was something missing. It gets old really quick. It gets really old really quick and you know i can remember during the beginning months of covid when just places were shut down all over and and i could remember how much i missed going to coffee shops and lunches with different pastors and leaders and friends uh, and, and and just meeting in person and having that community and 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 why why did i feel like something was missing why and because biblically speaking we, all of us, are created by God for God to be in community and fellowship with others. And I know sometimes it's easier not to be around others. I get it. I understand it. But the greatest blessings that you'll ever get are going to come from community. And so, as we look back here in the Bible, here at Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17, we're going to look at these two verses. Pat already read them, I'm going to read them one more time, and then we're going to kind of launch off and look at three truths this morning here. In verse, chapter 2, verse 17, again, it says this, it says, Then I said to them, the people of Jerusalem, You see the trouble we are in? Jerusalem rise in ruins, and its gates have been burned with fire. Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Now, Nehemiah, he's casting that vision to the people. And he knows that he cannot do this alone by himself. He needs a group of people, a community, because the task was way too big. The vision and the mission was way too big. And he says, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem, and we will no longer be in disgrace. I also told them about the gracious hand of my God upon me and what the king had said to me. And they replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began this good work. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word, and I just pray for the next 30 minutes or so, God, you would speak to us. Lord, let us extract biblical truths, God, not to just fill our head with knowledge, God, but I pray, Lord, that we would hear your word, that we would receive your word, that we would store your word up in our hearts, and we would obey your word, Father. I pray, Lord, that you would take one message, God, and that you would use it and do what only you can do and transform people's lives, God. I pray for moments, Lord, where we say, maybe I didn't see that before, God, and it's not because of me, but it's because of your Holy Spirit who is in charge of what you want to do here today, Lord. So we just surrender to you, and we thank you. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. We're going to look at how community builds, how community works together, how community blesses us. Us for the glory of God. But we need to understand this that we are going to talk more about this next week. You know, we have an enemy, Satan, that goes around like a roaring lion. The Bible tells us that Satan wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And see, the the enemy's plan in our life is to come in and bring division. It's to take one vision and to divide it into two. And he can do that very easily if we allow us and we open our lives up to The enemy. He's always walking around. It says he's walking around roaring like a lion, seeking whom he can devour. There's an illustration, I think we have a picture here. Uh, We'll pop that up here in a second. It's of a a lion or a lioness and how when they hunt and they try to isolate one animal from the pack. See, we see that right there. We see what happens. If I'm a Christian but I don't need the church or the community, was a photo. And you can see in the pack there, there's safety, but all of a sudden there's one innocent person who's kind of off. One innocent animal who's off by themselves. In the lion, we've all seen the video, what happens is he's able to attack that one but that's what the enemy does. He's always going around a church and a community, and he's always crawling around the edges and waiting, and waiting to see who he can pick off, and waiting to see who he can devour, and waiting to see who I'm just so offended right now about this, that, and the other thing, and I'm just pulling myself out, and I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this my way, and you know, forget about this. Listen, I understand that there's real hurt and pain, but do not, please do not pull yourself out of community. It's community where people will come alongside you, and bring you protection it's community where the blessings of god the greatest blessings that you ever will know in this life will happen bless you community you sneeze i bless in jesus name let's look at three truths from god's word that i want to share to you about communion this morning here the first one is is we need to understand the purpose of god's community everybody say purpose The purpose of God's community. Hebrews 10 verse 25 says this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. In Nehemiah there is a clear, clear theme about community. These people are the children of God. The Jews represented the family of God. And we see the first community of God was created was Adam and Eve. And Adam and Eve, they had children, Cain and Abel and Seth. And eventually, they had become the nation of Israel in the Old Testament, the children of God in the Old Testament. And then what we see in the New Testament or the New Covenant, we see the church as God's community, as God's family. We see that. We see that. But we've got to understand as a church, what is the purpose of community? Community. Three things right there, the purpose of God's community. Number one is this. The purpose of God's community is that we share a common unity. We share a common unity. We are unified in purpose. It's hard to be unified in purpose, though, if it's just all about your purpose. This is not uniformity. Hear what I'm saying. We are not all the same to dress all the same, to look all the same, to smell all the same, to act all the same, to talk all the same. Amen. But we have a common union. We have right now here at Refuge Church, we have the local church, we have the mission and vision of Refuge Church, serving in the community that God has connected us to. And we do that while serving the global church, advancing God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. When Raj, a great friend of ours from India, comes and he's here, he feels like what? A family the community. That's like when one of us as a believer in Christ goes on a mission trip to anywhere else in the world. And we don't really know that person, but all of a sudden we meet somebody and we find out that they're a believer of Christ. There's something that's common right then and there. There's a unity. Do we all worship the same? Probably not. Do we all look and smell and dress the same? Probably not. But there is a common unity amongst us. The question that we need to ask ourselves is this. Is God's purpose my purpose? Is God's purpose my purpose? What is God's purpose? I'm glad you asked. His purpose is this. It's very simple. It's to love what? God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love our neighbors as ourselves. And I understand there's a lot to unpack in there. I get that. But the common unity is that we're going to put God first, and we're going to love others where they're at. This is what God did. God created a family, and we're in that family. In that family, we have a common unity. Look here in the book of Nehemiah, chapter 3, verse 1 through 2. As they get ready to build the wall now, it says, Eliashib, and I want you to remember that name because we'll look back to that in a few minutes. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work and rebuilt the sheep gate. It says they dedicated it and set its doors in place. It's the only place we'll see where they dedicated something. In building as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of Hananel, the men of Jericho... Now, the men of Jericho for, were from about 20 to 30 miles away from uh, this place that they were rebuilding there. But you see the common unity that they were going to come and they were going to help rebuild the wall there. It says, the men of Jericho built the adjoining section, and Zakur, son of Imri, built next to them. We see Elishib, the high priest... And he's stepping down from his work that he was doing in the temple. And he says, you know what? We're going to go, and we're going to go ahead, and we're going to lead the charge with Nehemiah. And these priests, they stepped away from that work. They actually had to get their hands dirty. Can I have a good amen? Their hands were probably pretty soft. And they got there, and they got down on their hands and knees, and they helped to rebuild this wall. And you know, when you think about a wall, I know it's really kind of hard to put it in perspective, but every section of this wall, you need to think about this. The section of the wall that they were rebuilding was nine feet wide and it was 14 feet high. So these guys were working, amen? And they didn't have all the advanced technology that we have today. But they stepped out of what they're doing. They said, you know what, we're going to come together and we're going to rebuild this wall. Nehemiah heard it, he got the vision. He prayed for it. The king released him. Leadership principle, timing is perfect. God gave him glory so he could go and, and, and pass through uh, the, the, the area where the, the trans-Euphrates and, and the governor and all these people were going to mock him and everything. He was able to get timber from the king's uh, area there and to help rebuild the wall because that came from one person who said, you know what, I'm going to do it God's way. And now all of a sudden he's got the high priest there out there probably taking off his priestly garb, you know what I'm saying? Get Putting on a little sandals, getting a little dirt in underneath those toenails, getting a little dirt underneath those fingernails, and he's rebuilding the wall with his other people because there was a common unity. The purpose of God's community is that we have a common community. The second thing that we need to understand about the purpose of God's community is that the purpose of God's community is understanding that it's not all about you, it's not all about me, but it's about us. Everybody say us. It's about us collectively together. Yes, you have a part to play in it. But I can tell you this. The part that you play is so much smaller than who we serve. And it is an important part. And it's not to minimalize that. We are a part of God's church. But at the end of the day, we do it God's way. And this is how God grows us. And when it's not about me and it's about us, sometimes we need to put aside some of our preferences Sometimes we need to put aside some of those other things. Listen, here's the thing. You're never going to find a church where everything is perfect and it's all just good. You'll find a perfect Savior, amen? amen. But this is how God grows us. It's not all about me. It's not all about you. It's not, it's, but it's about us. The church of God, it's about us. I'll give you a real quick story here of uh, one of my former pastors in Jacksonville. And uh, he was... Um, He was serving churches and he was kind of traveling all around uh, and and he would travel with his wife and his two daughters and uh, they showed up uh, to church. It was so funny when he told the story, but uh, they showed up to church and uh, this is a church somewhere in the South. I don't even remember where he said, but um, they showed up to the building and uh, my pastor, he was actually speaking at church that day. And so his wife and the two daughters, the two girls, they sat, it was probably about five or six rows back. And these were pews now, they weren't seats like we have. And so they they sat in the chairs there and you know they got there a little bit early and they were just kind of looking around and nobody in the church had greeted them nobody had come up to them nobody had welcomed them and all of a sudden as they were sitting there there was this one lady and she was just kind of looking at them and she was standing over them like this and so my pastor's wife looked and she said hi my name is so and so and it's nice to see you can i help you with anything or can you know and she says um you're sitting in my seat. Thank goodness that my pastor's wife was saved and not lost because she might have not come back to the church next week, and I have a good amen. Because, see, that one person, and I'm sure that this person was sweet and everything and meant well, but they thought the church was more about them and their preferences. Now, mind you, there was over 500 seats in this place. She could have sat anywhere, and there was probably about 40 people in this church. It wasn't like it was packed out, but they just happened to be sitting in her seat, in a pew at that, because, see, this person, they lost the understanding that the church is not about me, but it's about us. The church is about us preferring one another. Look here back in Nehemiah 3, verse 3 through 5. It says, the fish gate was rebuilt by the sons of Hassanah. They laid its beams and put his doors in bolts and bars in place. Merimoth, the son of Uriah, the son of Hekaz, repaired the next section. Next to him, Meshullam, son of Barakiah, the son of Meshabaliah, and so-and-so, whoever that name is, God you know, made repairs next to him. Zadok, the son of Bana, also made repairs. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa but their nobles would, put their sho- would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors because it became about them. Why would they not do that? Now, the nobles were supposed to be the elite, the class that was kind of, you know, they've got it all going on and everything, and it says, but the nobles would not put their work under their supervisors. Listen, it's not just about what I can get out of it, what's for me. It's about what's good for the group. But too many times... We see that people, what's in it for me, and what's in it for me, and how does this benefit me? And listen, I want to tell you this with the bottom of my heart today and, and, and meanness in all sincerity. You need to find, and if this is the church for you, it's awesome and amen, and let's go ahead and praise God about that. But you need to find a place where God has called you to worship and to serve and to be part of a community. That will get you through the things that happen and the little offenses that happen in the church, amen? The true mark of a disciple is that he serves others for the good of the community. That's the difference between selfishness and selflessness. Put your hands to the plow. Get your hands dirty. See how God blesses you in that community. It's not about what I can get out of it, but it's about how does this benefit the whole. And the third purpose of God's community this morning is that it's always, always, always to bring him glory. It's always to bring glory to God. We've got to remember that everything that we do in our life can bring glory to God And when we bring glory to God Others will see that and sometimes we can bring them along now. We got to speak the gospel. Absolutely. We got to pray Absolutely, but God's glory is what's most important. Nehemiah 3 verses 6 through 7 says this The joshana gate was repaired by jodiah son of pesak And It doesn't matter how many times I listen to this on the Bible app, I pronounce these words wrong, so just bear with me, okay? You might know how to pronounce them better than I do. You can see a little bit of my northern and my southern accents are blending together when I pronounce these names. It says, They laid the beans and they put its doors and bolts and bars in place. Next to them, repairs were made by the men from Gibeon and Mizpah, Milita of Gibeon and Jadon and Maranoth, places under the authority of the governor of Trans-Euphrates. I just had a thought. Next time Pat acts up, I'm going to make her read this whole chapter right there. (laughs) I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. (laughs) Listen, the governor of Trans-Euphrates, he absolutely, you need to understand this, he hated the Jews. He did everything in his power to get them to stop rebuilding the wall. He mocked them, and he ridiculed them. And when you step out to do something for the glory of God, let me tell you, first and foremost, you will be challenged. People will put you to the test. But here's the thing. Do it anyways. Put God first. Choose whom this day you will serve. Joshua said what? But as for me and my house, we will what? Serve the Lord. I don't care about all this other stuff over there. I mean, sure, I do and I understand and I want to be a, a producing member of society, site. But at the end of the day, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We will stand for life. It's not a real popular thing in the culture right now. Amen? You will be mocked. You will be ridiculed. But we will stand for life because God is the creator. He's the author and the sustainer of life. And we will stand for life. It's about bringing glory to him. The second truth about community from God's word that we'll look at is that first one is the purpose of God's community. Second one is the people of God's community. The people of God's community. First Corinthians 12, 24 through 25 it says but god has combined the members of the body and has given them greater honor to the parts that lacked it so that there should be no division in the body no division in the body but that its parts should have equal concern for each other no division in the body equal concern for one another when we serve one another when we when we lay down our preferences i understand there's going to be things we got to work out but guess what We get to work out biblical repentance and community better than any place that I can think of. And that's where God grows us. The people of God's community. There is no division in the body. I think about uh, back in the book of Acts there in chapter 6, verses 4. And we see where the first deacons came in. And we see what happened. The church was growing. And then it says there was a, a dispute. The Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews. And the apostles, they got together, and they were preaching, and it says prayer, and they came up with this solution. I think this was the first time in any church meeting that there was total unity, and it says, let us choose seven men amongst us, full of the Holy Spirit, so they can give attention to these needs, so we can continue to give attention to prayer, corporate prayer, and the priority of the word. And what does it say there at the rest of the chapter? It says, it pleased them all, and God continued to build and grow the church and multiply it. And obviously I'm paraphrasing there, but we see what happens when we serve one another, when we come up with these things to help one another in community. The Grecian Jews and the Hebraic Jews and the distribution of the food for their widows and they were going at it and everything, and all of a sudden God chooses seven men full of the Holy Spirit, and you know what? All but one of them had Greek names. See, God does not always pick out the most important, the one that looks like this is the most logical answer. God does not pick out the wisest, the strongest and the most creative. God uses us. But the key to that is, are you surrendered? Are you faithful? Are you available? Are you teachable? Are you willing to be used by God? God, I'll be used by you, but only if you do it on my terms, God. No, no, no. God, I, I'll be used by you, and I, I want to do this and uh, listen. We understand that, but here's three things about the people of God's community we understand. Number one is that the people of God's community have many unique talents. They have many unique talents. Every talent we have and need is in God's church. And as God continues to bring growth and increase and continues to mature us in health, God will continue to bring people in. And that person is unique. That's the great thing. There is room for everybody at the table of the Lord. Because we're all unique. We're all different. Just think for a second. Do you think when Jesus chose the 12 disciples, the 12 apostles, that they were all exactly the same? No, 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 no. They were all very unique. They had their own unique gifts and talents. That's how God builds a community. He uses the uniqueness. Just look around this church. There's uniqueness. Different ages, different wisdom different leadership gifts, different musical talents. Listen, I can sing, but you don't want me up here playing the guitar because I have no idea how to do that. I will make a joyful, loud bang to, to Jesus if that happens. I might be able to jump on the cajon, I don't know. I haven't tried that yet, don't get me to do that. But listen, the people of God's community have many unique talents. Nehemiah 3, verse 8 says this, Uziel son of Harani, one of the goldsmiths, now, see, we see the goldsmith repaired the next section. And Hannah and I, one of the perfume makers, made repairs next to that. So we've got a goldsmith and a perfume maker. None of them were bricklayers. They didn't all have the same, but they had the what? The common unity. And they had unique talents, and God uses those unique talents. And it says they restored Jerusalem as far as the broad wall. The people of God's community have many unique talents. The second thing about the people of God's community is that the people of God's community have a great commitment to serve. The people of God's community have a great commitment to serve. You know, one of the, the greatest things that I ever got to hear as a pastor, and I hear it still today, is when somebody gets on fire for the Lord and they want to serve and they say, you know, hey, um, where can I serve? And I, and I just look at them and I say, well, we have many needs. And then that person responds, I say, well, I'll serve wherever you need me. Now, I understand we're going to get them and find out what their gift set is and their talents and their skills and everything, but there's just something about putting a serving towel on and saying, I'm here to serve. How can I help out? And it's not all about just being a greeter and, 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 and standing at the front door. Listen, I know all of you aren't called to serve two-year-olds. Going to have a good amen. I get that. I understand that. All of us are not called to be greeters. If you're grumpy and you're a little bit introverted, please don't be a greeter. Can I have a good amen? But you might do a great job in the kitchen making some amazing food. And you just want to be behind the scenes. I'm being a little bit, you know, you know what I'm saying. But there is a place for you to serve in the community. You have something to give to the community through your service. I can remember years ago uh, when I got saved and I started showing up to this little church, little church plant in Jacksonville, Florida. And um, I, I got saved and I got on fire for the Lord and I started reading my Bible. And, you know, it was just so exciting and things were so different. I, I just kind of grew up in the Catholic Church and I didn't know anything different. But now I just saw an alive Jesus to me. So I was showing up and I was at this church and I started saying, you know, where can I help out? Where can I serve? And I got uh, uh, assigned to help out with the ushers and the greeters. And that was great. But I can remember one day there was this cute little Southern bell who was working in the children's ministry. And she aggressively recruited me to come work one Sunday a month in the children's ministry. And I'm talking, she was aggressive. She said, if you serve once a month, I'll consider to date you once a month. I'm like, praise God, community, service. Thank you, Jesus. And of course, I did that for about two years and Went through all the background checks and credit checks and FBI reports and everything. And then she said, Okay, listen, she said, If you will agree to serve every single weekend with me, I will consider marrying you and being with you for the rest of your life. And so I had to make a commitment to serve. But hopefully, I've been serving her and our family. And listen, you can have a good time in church. It's okay to laugh, it's okay to smile. And you can see God's blessings come upon you. You have something to give to the community through your service. Nehemiah 3, 11 through 12, says this: Malchajai, son of Haram and Hasnab, son of Patha Moab, repaired another section and the tower of the ovens. Shalom, son of Hasheth, ruler of the district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with the help of his daughters. You see that? There was a can-do spirit. It was a family thing. They come together. Listen, I've asked my boys to serve in this church. They will not just come and sit. But this is where, wherever we've been a part of, they receive ministry and they're going to serve. There's something about teaching and helping and guiding them to understand a commitment to serve. You are going to commit to serve. You're going to find your place. It might not be right there. It might be in this ministry. But you're going to learn a lifestyle of commitment to service. Because again, what did I talk about? You're not just a leader who leads when you feel good. You're a servant with opportunities to lead. Big, big difference in leadership. There's lots of people out there. They've got these leadership gifts and skills and talents and everything, but they're not servants. My boys, myself, my family, we're going to commit to serve. There was a can-do spirit. When you get that, you, you understand God's blessings come upon you there. And there's just something that it's just, it's, it's, you can't even describe it. It's God's blessings. And then the third thing is the people of God's community were willing to share the load. They were willing to share the load. Too many places, too many churches that I've been to that I've helped just kind of go in and we're, we're, we're doing a search committee or, or we're, we're looking at uh, just the volunteers and it's, it, it's the 80-20 principle, right? Pareto principle, it's 80-20 of the people do 80% of the work. That's not a good thing. What about, just for a second, if we flipped that and said, man, 80% of the people are constantly doing the work. And we would see God do something great in and through our churches and in and through our lives. Everybody doing their part. When you think about a team, there's a, a, a football team, there's a kicker. There's a quarterback, there's a trainer, there's a coach. We are better together. Community shares the load. It's the same with the church. Everybody shares the load. And when we share the load, we can go further, faster together and see God do great things. Nehemiah 3, verses 20 through 22 says this. Next to him, Baruch, as we continue to see here, the community of people all coming together, sharing the load of this great wall to rebuild. Baruch, the son of Zabiah, zealously repaired another section come on don't you love the people who are zealous i love the ones who are zealous and fired up from the angle of the entrance to the house of Eliashib, the high priest now listen this was where Eliashib was remember we talked about him he was not building the gate in front of his house he was off building and rebuilding the sheep gate so he was off somewhere else but yet people came alongside and says next to him merima son of uriah the son of Hakaz repaired another section from the entrance of Elisha's house to the end of it. The repairs next to him were made by the priests from the surrounding region. The community of God's people coming together to share the workload. And then the third truth, not only are the purpose of community, the people of community, but is the priority of God's community. The priority of God's community. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, he said this in Ephesians 4, 16. He says, from him, from Jesus, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That is the ultimate goal for us to grow and to build ourselves up in love as each part does our work. Why? So we can go out there and be salt and light in the community. So we can go out there and be salt and light in the community. These people were under a terrible plight. The the Bible says, we read this, that they, they, they saw themselves, they were a disgrace. Their walls were torn down, they were broken down, the gates were wide open. And that allowed the enemy to come in like a roaring lion and take them down and not live according to the blessings of God. And so we see the priority of God's community and why we need to rebuild again. And number one, first and foremost, it's always for God's glory. It's always for God's glory. The people were living in fear, worry, the opposite of faith. This is not how God shows his glory to people. A torn down wall did not represent well the people of God. A torn down wall was a disgrace. These were God's chosen people. The the church is God's chosen people. And sometimes I think we kind of feel like, you know what? Man, the world, they got their stuff, and we're just not that strong. But listen, I would tell you this. In faith, in the name of Jesus, the church is vibrant. Amen? I don't care what the, the, the cable news channels say to us. Because here's the thing. I know who's going to win in the end. I know who said, I will build my church, and what, the gates of Hades will never prevail against it. It doesn't mean it's going to unleash everything against it, right? But I believe that God said that, and he set it up, and we know that in the end, who is victorious? And if we would just believe that and believe his word more so than what the cable news channels tried to tell us, we would see a glorious church rise up in the community. And, it, and it's rising up in so many places. There's, we could stand here for hours and tell you about the different places overseas and, and different parts of uh, the Northeast and, and on the Northwest there, but we rebuild the walls for God's glory. And then I want us to take it from God's glory to our personal thing, and how do we apply this to our lives? The second thing, the priority of God's community is that to rebuild the wall, we rebuild the wall for their protection or for our protection. If we apply this to our lives... The question i ask you this morning is this, is that what walls of faith have we allowed down, allowed to be torn down in our lives? Maybe it's our prayer wall. Maybe it's our reading of God's word wall. Or maybe it's our serving wall or our giving wall or our forgiveness wall or our walking in love and patience wall. What are those walls in our life, in our walk of faith, that we've allowed to come down We've allowed the enemy to chop those things down through the world, through a little bit of apathy, maybe through a little bit of maybe this just doesn't work. Maybe there's a little bit of lack of faith. I can tell you this turn to Jesus and say, God, increase my faith, increase my unbelief. He will do it for you. But then the question is this, what walls are we willing to rebuild for God's glory and our protection? But it's going to take a little bit of work. It's going to take a little bit of work like that priest who got off of it and he had to kind of get his hands a little bit dirty and he was building a wall that was nine feet wide and 14 feet high. And maybe we need to spend a little bit of time rebuilding some of the walls in our own lives for our own protection. Because just like that picture that we saw, when we get out of community and we get out of doing God's will, God's way, there's an enemy That's circling and crouching. And he's looking to seek whom he may devour. And the unfortunate thing is that happens a lot. But there's protection because it's God's glory. And then the third thing is this as we close, is that to rebuild the walls, the priority of God's community, to rebuild the walls as a witness to God's presence for others. When we rebuild the walls in our lives, in our churches, in our community, as a witness to god's presence for others there's something about god's peace that surpasses all understanding are you that wall are you that rock when somebody in your family or workplace and community just all heck is breaking loose in their life and you're that rock and you've got that wall built up not perfect amen come on jesus forgives us right we repent we receive it But you've got that, and and you're that rock, you're that steady wall when just something is going just totally crazy in that family person's life. Who do they turn to? Do they turn to you or do they turn to the world? Who is it that they turn to and look to? Who is it that you turn to and look to? Because here's the thing, I said it last night, I want to be as close to the people who are on fire for God as possible. I don't want to be out here on the edge, just kind of, you know what, well, I'll do a little bit, and I'll I'll put my toe in, but if it gets too much or if I don't like this person or what they're doing, no, 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 I want to go all in. I want to be right up here, and I want to surround myself with the people that are building up their walls in their life. Not to allow other people in, because we're to be salt and light in the world. But if you're going to be salt and light in the world, you got to be prayed up, you got to be read up, you got to be praised up. You've got to have the peace of God because the world does not want to see it. The governor of the Trans-Euphrates is going to mock it. The world is going to mock it. The world is going to mock us. Are we willing to go ahead and say, you know what? As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm in community, and you know what? I had a rough day today. I need to call somebody from the church. I need somebody to pray for me. I've had a rough week I need somebody in the church to pray for me. The first one I'm calling outside of my family. Who is it? Who are those people? Do they have the walls built up in their life? Are you encouraging one another? Let's stop not meeting together as some have been in the habit of doing, but let's encourage one another. Listen, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter whether the message is this or the other thing. If it's a 10 or 1 or a negative 20, no matter what the preaching is, at the end of the day, it's what I do with this stuff during the week, and I come back together and I encourage one another. God meets us there in community, and he wants to continue to build up your life. So the purpose of community, it's all about God. It's for his glory. It's for his people, and it's also for our protection. Let's pray as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper. Father, we love you. and God, we don't have it all figured out. By by no means do we have it all figured out, Father. But, Lord, we do come to a gracious and heavenly loving Father who loves us exactly right where we are at. I thank you, Lord, through the book of Nehemiah. You've shown us the power of one, the power of one person for such a time as that. You put that person in position. And they depended on you when they heard the report of the Lord that came back. They fasted and prayed and mourned and waited on you through faith. You open up the opportunity for them, Lord, to do something about it. And then we see the power of community as he was able to take that vision back to his home, rebuild the walls there. God, I pray, Father, that we would press into the power of community, Lord. I pray, Lord, that we would invest our time and invite others to be part of our community, Lord. Why? Because we know it's the best thing for them according to your word, God. So I pray that you would help us all do that today. And I pray, Lord, for anybody in here today that does not know you, that does not have a personal relationship with you, that has not surrendered their life and repented and turned from their sins, God, and turned to you, Lord. I pray that they would just pray that prayer of surrender right now. You can do that in your heart if you've been away from God or maybe you've never really had a relationship with Him. God wants to be in a relationship with you. Maybe you've kind of been doing it your own way and doing your own thing and now the the Holy Spirit is just kind of knocking on your heart. We talked about that scripture last week. He's saying if you will open your heart, I'll come in and I'll dine with you. I'll sit with you. That invitation is there for you right now. In your seat you can just pray this prayer silently. Just say this, say Lord Jesus, I surrender. I open up my life to you. I've not been walking with you. I need your forgiveness. I need your grace. I repent of my sins. Lord, help me from this day forward walk in your goodness and grace and mercy. Help me to pray. Help me to get in your word. Help me to build that lifestyle, that wall, God. Help me to build community. Help me to serve, God. None of those things qualify me for just a lifestyle of repentance, God, but it's within those things we're working out our salvation with fear and trembling because you purchased it all for us, Jesus. So we give you praise. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen.